Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start, Start saving, saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at Patreon.com slash Partners in Crime Media. This week's Law & Order Marathon winner is Jill Frick from Ontario, Canada. Jill will get a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoy and Katie Mitchell, and these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law and order, law and order, law and order. It's no ordinary police procedural, baby. It's the FNOG of police procedures, baby. Law and order, law and order, law and order, law and order. These are their stories. These are their stories. Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about Network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at Criminal Intent, Season 4, Episode 14, Sex Club. Bacchus and Venus, East 48th Street. I know the place, Private Sex Club. We used to get complaints about it all the time. If that's where Merritt met Radcliffe... Mattress full of naked swingers. Not the kind of platform people want from a candidate. Joining me to do just that is true crime author and the host of Crime Writers On and Netflix's You Can't Make This Up Podcasts, which the initials spell out You Come Too, <laughs> Rebecca Lavoy. Hello, Rebecca. Uh, the role of Rebecca Lavoy is being played today by uh, Angie Harmon. Yeah, you don't sound so good. Abby Carmichael. We're just never going to sound good together ever again. It's okay. You know, it happens. It's winter. There are germs. Things happen. And we were in a tiny closet with me. Congratulations. Yeah, it's super. <laughs> I'll, I'll name the phlegm after you. Uh, and Ew. rounding out our panel is our old friend and special guest from the Date with Dateline podcast, hey. Katie Mitchell. Hi, Katie. <gasps> Hi, guys. I'm sorry. Did you call me old? Did I hear? I'm sorry. Did no, I hear no, that no. right? You, you, surely not. Surely no, not. But we did We no. did use your last name. You got outed by the LA Times. So exciting. Oh, boy, I did. What a big year for you guys. <laughs> I'm blushing. I can't. Oh, yeah. No, that was a big question, whether or not to use the last names. And it was kind of a deal breaker for the for the interview, actually. <laughs> and Kimberly and I were just staring at each other, just shaking our heads like, what do we do? What do we do? Do, do we insist on being first name only? Are we share? Can we do that? And we could not. We were not share level. So we had to reveal ourselves. I think it would have been a little bit different of a proposition had the article not been so incredibly flattering yeah. about the work you guys do. They seem to love your podcast just as much as I do. As you know, I am an OG Date with Dateline fan. Thank you. That was very sweet. Yeah, we were very surprised. We also didn't know if it was going to be flattering or not. We thought it was just an article with a bunch of different podcasters. So when we saw that it was just us, we were like, oh, oh, my. Oh, what do we do? <laughs> yeah. And then Kimberly's mother immediately framed like five copies of nice. it. And I think they've been sent around to various locations through the city. <laughs> just pretty funny. <laughs> now, you're one of our few resident 
criminal intent experts. Yes. There's a few of you, but you're absolutely dedicated. They're mighty. I, you know, yeah. I, you guys have seen like one of those word cloud kind of things where they put a bunch of text in, in a computer and it generates like words of bigger sizes depending on how big they're used. Yeah, used. that's called a word cloud. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that the word cloud for every criminal intent script, the biggest word would be maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> that's maybe. interesting. <laughs> or probably. Hmm. <laughs> probably. Can you put Vincent D'Onofrio leaning over in a word cloud? Yeah. That oh, would it's also so be good. Yeah. There's a lot of leaning in this episode. A lot. This one had some spectacular leans. Yeah. And this is coming from a Keith Morrison aficionado, so I know a lot about <laughs> leaning. It's It was good. Katie, would you please remind us, of all the franchises, which two cops are your favorite Law & Order detective team? Favorite Law & Order detective team. Oh, I'm going to say Goran and Eames mm. are my favorite, especially um, D'Onofrio. Do you have a like a number two uh, criminal intent team? Because in latter seasons, they had a couple of good mix-ups there. No. Okay. <laughs> no, I do not. That's That's an acceptable answer. It's a firm answer. Rebecca just spit up all of herself, so that was a good answer. (laughs) I love Eames. I got to say, you know, I love Gorn and Eames, too, but I really love Eames. I just What's that to love, really? She's like like his handler. Like, I was just watching Westminster last week, and watching her work with him is like watching one of those ladies in those Chico suits prance around with one of those dogs just trying to keep him in line, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And she's like half his size. She's like the pint size. It's perfect. It's really good. Katie, who is your favorite prosecutorial team? Favorite law and order district attorney prosecutorial team. Oh, it, it's probably not criminal intent. I feel like that's wrong to say. I'm very mm. sorry. I don't think it is. Carver, is, some people have said Carver, but... Okay, they have? Well, they have. Even if they haven't, go with it. Okay, yeah, Carver is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sorry, I think I love original. Um, I'm a huge um, Sam Watterson fan. Yeah. Like, I think that that I love, like, something about that feels like home and right to me. Mm. So, I don't Cause, know. Because he looks like Keith Morrison. He's our law daddy. Yeah, he's our law daddy. <laughs> All right, now let's take a look at the first half of this episode, Criminal Intent. Season 4, episode 14, Sex Club. Well, who's auctioning off all of his memorabilia? It's a washed-up, pajama-wearing pornographer named George Merritt. One of his centerfolds from the 70s bids on her old costume and beats out a telephone bitter angry with the outcome. Hours later, the woman is bludgeoned in her home. Made on the floor below reported a passkey missing. That's how the perp gained entry. Took the rings off Mrs. Parsons' fingers, but the big money jewelry's still in the safe. Any other rooms burglarized? None reported, but we're canvassing. Blast from the past. A honey suit. Any idea how this got here? The Parsons were at a memorabilia auction this morning. The items that they bought, any of them missing? We're still getting an inventory. Gorn and Eames learned the woman also bid on Merritt's little black book, which is now missing. Fortunately, Merritt's secretary has photocopies of all of its contents. The angry telephone bidder was the campaign manager of a U.S. Senate candidate who's in the book. The notation next to Jim Ratcliffe's name indicates he met Merritt at a couples-only sex club. But who did he go with? His ex-wife Kay denies going, but because she blushed... 
Corin says, oh, she totally did. Mm. Digging through the candidates' divorce papers, they learn Radcliffe did indeed take Kate to the club, but she was not GGG. Confronted with the photocopies, the candidate reveals he's being blackmailed by the person who currently has the black book. Probably the person who, here we go, maybe, maybe, probably the person <laughs> <laughs> that killed the centerfold. Gorn and Eames track down another bidder, but when they arrive at his office, they find him shot to death and the black book missing. Okay, so on SVU, in their sex club episode, Benson and Stabler go undercover as swingers and flirt with Rose McGowan, who's having an affair with her own twin brother. Yes. In the criminal Ah. intent sex club episode, Gorn and Eames go to family court. Yes, and we never even see the sex club. We don't. Bacchus and Venus, the stupidest name for a sex club I have ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) Kate, did you not think at some point they would try to go undercover? Yeah, I did, actually. Well, I thought that maybe Bacchus and Vetus had changed its name, like <laughs> that, that it had morphed into something else. And so now it was more private. It wasn't like out on the street. You had to have a password and it was a thing that was in a uh-huh. basement. I thought maybe that would happen. Also, I have just decided that maybe this could be shortened to a sex episode. <laughs> have you guys ever done that before? I'm not no. sure. Am I the first? Okay. No. You can have it. All right, I wrote it down. Yeah. Well, you're going to use it. The sex episode. <laughs> Great. It's like episode. a new brand. It's like a new sub brand for oh. our podcast, Kevin. Yeah. All right, I'm going to trademark that. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> new category. Okay. So, I mean, it's clear they're riffing on Hugh Hefner really? here in Playboy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, here she is. January 72. Isla was a lovely girl. She was a stinger honey. Jet, you know? Well, maybe someone wishes that they weren't in your... Uh, little black book. Only fun people got in my book, baby. And fun people don't have regrets. <laughs> Katie, did you catch the name of the magazine? No, I didn't. What was it? Men's Privilege. Men's Privilege. No, the most on-the-nose name for anything what? that has ever been made in the history of the world. I wanted to go back in time and give these writers in the writer's room a high freaking five for Men's Privilege. I like to read the articles you, in Men's Privilege. You certainly thought you're right. The douchebag in the uh, neck scarf was going to get it. But yeah. It wasn't him. And it's awkwardly tied. I gotta say, all, every time his ascot is kind of incorrect. Did you mm. guys notice yeah. that? It's like off to the side. So it's like maybe an ascot, maybe it's a scarf. We don't know. He was a know. discount Hugh Hefner after all. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. He's in a corduroy coat at some point. At what time is <laughs> Hugh Hefner wearing a corduroy sport jacket? Get out of here. Sorry, I'm very focused on fashion. I was uh-huh. like, no. <laughs> but I gotta, really, I gotta say, isn't all media man's privilege? Men's privilege. Men's privilege. All everything, Kevin, (sighs) is men's privilege. All of it. All of it. The magazine is just a reflection of our society. And I hear the articles are pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) You should say that as a couple that wrote for Playboy. We did. And that was a great (gasps) trip to go to the Playboy offices in New York. It was not sexy. There was nothing sexy, but it's just an office. Except for the art on the wall. (laughs) That's true. I'm just going to diverge for one second here and say this. They had, as they're telling us about, you know, you might want to try to write this way, you know, kind of like Norman Mailer did for us. Take a couple of magazines. In the corner, there was a pile of Playboy magazines, waist high. And I thought, if you told me at 17, I would be here and can grab all of these fucking magazines. <laughs> right. I right. would have, oh, wow. my prostate would have exploded. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. 
Oh, and you never thought it would happen in like an unsexy office. Right. You no. would think that in your fantasy that's happening like in the grotto of the Playboy Mansion that they're like, take any magazine you want. And here are all these ladies. Yeah. Our editor at Playboy, I still love him. We're still friends to this day. Was like a 70 year old man wearing a blazer with corduroy patches on the elbows. I'm not even joking a yeah. little bit. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Oh, that's really good. Oh, good. I don't even wow. think he knew what pictures were in that magazine. I think he <laughs> thought he was writing for the New Yorker the whole time. Oh, no, he was confused. That's sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a look at the cast. Yes. It's our very special guest star. Ms. Rosanna Arquette. Yes. She's playing ex-wife Kay Connolly, Emmy and Golden Globe nominee. I told him if he'd let the genie out of the bottle, then he would destroy our marriage, and that's what he did. First of her two Law & Order appearances, Rebecca sing the song. What's that? Rosanna. Oh, I can't. I can't. You can't, but you know the song... Really was named after her. It was? It was. What? Rosanna. Exactly. Rosanna. Thank you, oh, yeah. Katie, for backing me up. Welcome. She was dating the uh, guitar player, bass player, or something from Toto. and Really? Wrote the- no, yeah. she wasn't. She oh, was? That's funny. Yeah, oh, she's wow. got a really interesting uh, life. She lived with Peter Gabriel in England. Hmm. Don't you know somebody, hmm. Rebecca? I do, who visited Peter Gabriel's house in Bath. Yes. Yeah. Who My was it? My father randomly became <gasps> friends with Peter Gabriel when he was living in England for a time and like went to his house in Bath and was like telling me about all the weird statuary and stuff that Peter Gabriel had. Ah. Did he? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And as expected, hmm. he had like didgeridoos and stuff like everywhere. <laughs> <gasps> Katie, you are learning so much weird stuff about Kevin and Rebecca. I know. I, we're going to need to have an offline conversation about that. I'm very curious <laughs> about this. I, I want to know a lot about Peter Gabriel. I'm curious. So Rosanna Arquette, you know, brother of David Arquette and all the other Arquettes, all the Sister big Arquette. Patricia Arquette. Patricia Arquette. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, on their IMDb page, see, they might have like a factoid about like the role they almost got. Yeah. They were considered for. They went overboard on Rosanna Arquette's IMDb page. Are you ready? Yes. This is what you can find out. She was considered for The Terminator, Highlander, Bridget Jones's Diary, The Blue Lagoon, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Splash, Basic Instinct, Speed, Fatal Attraction, Scarface, both Thelma and Louise, Titanic, <gasps> Shakespeare in Love, Taxi Driver, Footloose, Pretty Woman, Pretty's Honor, and Vicki Vale and Batman. I feel bad now. Don't you? That's heartbreaking. That's, sad. That's really upsetting. Yes. Why didn't you get oh, those parts? I don't know. Well, she wasn't desperately seeking Susan. There you go. She was pretty good in that. She was Golden Globe yeah. nominee. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to call it a second act, but she's earned a lot of respect lately telling her story of how Harvey Weinstein blacklisted her. Mm. Yes. And she's mm-hmm. really being seen now as, like, just like Rose McGowan, mm-hmm. uh, who we mm-hmm. mentioned, as you know, being a, a powerful woman owning their truth and really kind of exposing that this professional and personal hardship that they went through. Yeah, mm-hmm. he like he like busted his way into her apartment, yeah. right? And she said this isn't going to happen. Right, right. Listen to the Catch and Kill podcast to get all the details. She's on it. She's amazing. Can I tell you what her personal quote is? Yes. Mm-hmm. Never eat a Mars bar offered to you by Marianne Faithful. <gasps> <gasps> what is your life? What is your life? That that's your... Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't know what that means, and it's great. I don't, I don't want, either. Oh, wow. I, I tell me either. more. Never eat a Snickers in the shower. Who knows? Hmm. Uh, we have a Hey, It's That Guy. Hey, it's that guy. Who's playing Dime Store Hugh Hefner? I was at Bacchus and Minas a couple of times a week. They loved me there. A guy would have to bring a girl to get in. I'd bring six. Come on, honeys. 
Come on. Rebecca, you it's go. It's famous director Peter Bagdanovich, is it not? It is. Yes. Hmm. He's known for The Last Picture Show, What's Up Doc, Paper Moon. Former partner of Sybil Shepherd. Yes. By the way, he also directed my favorite, To Sir With Love, <gasps> Part 2. <laughs> Oh my goodness! <laughs> okay, that's, I was like, "Wait a minute!" Okay. <laughs> yeah, he was, his wife was. Uh, he left his wife for Sybil Shepherd. Uh, I mean, he was in a brief oh, relationship well. with playmate Dorothy Stratton <laughs> hmm. before her murder. Hmm. By the way, I think anyone who wears and he a neck scarf and he that he really does that is actually mm-hmm. his real look. Peter Bagdanovich wears a neck scarf in real life. Yeah. And anyone who does ought to get it caught in an elevator door. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And probably has, right? Or in a paper shredder. I mean, it's a lot. <laughs> anyone who's playing uh, Jim Radcliffe, the, uh, the politician? We went there once as a married couple out of curiosity. We were both disturbed by what we saw and we left. I know. No. No. He looks familiar. That's Matt uh, Servito. Rebecca, you'll remember him as FBI agent Dwight Harris on The Sopranos. Mm, which I didn't watch. As I know, you, you keep know. saying that, yes. <laughs> and you keep forgetting. <laughs> no, I, I remember. <laughs> uh, he's had eight Law & Order appearances. How about our campaign director, Tim Holtzman? I don't need this book turned up on some website. I just hope whoever got it will be discreet. Who's that guy? I don't know his name. But yeah. I know he was in True Detective Season 3. Right, his name is Mike Watford. Uh, ten Law & Order appearances. And he oh. did have a supporting role as a task force detective in True Detective. I have not seen True Detective season three. Only one and two. Oh, well, you need to see it. I do. Or you should catch him as a guitar playing zombie in Trailer Park of Terror. Oh, okay. I'm writing that down, too. That sounds excellent and right up my alley. Now, Rebecca, I know you are dying to tell us about our Hey, It's That Girl. Hey, it's that girl. Who is playing... Uh, Lila, the centerfold. That is soap opera queen Catherine Hicklin, who was on One Life to Live for years, playing Lindsay Rappaport, a villainous, trampy, iconic, white lipstick-wearing, bleached blonde soap opera babe. I owe Georgie Merritt so much, and to find some of the wonderful things he's putting up for sale helps him just a teeny bit. <laughs> wow. I always know the soap ones. It's very embarrassing. No, that's great. Oh, uh, so Rebecca knows her as uh, Lindsay Rappaport. Katie, you and I know her as Mrs. David Hasselhoff. <gasps> For real? For a while. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, today she is Mrs. Todd Fisher, sister-in-law to the late Carrie Fisher. Oh. And Debbie oh. Reynolds uh, was his, her stepmom hmm. and all that. Uh, during the last two years- Step up. <laughs> Stepmom? <laughs> it's a step up. Uh, no, like, did I say step up? No, I said, I'm saying it's a step up to go from being married to David Hasselhoff to being in like the Fisher family. I'm just yeah. saying. Yeah. Yeah. She married up. Uh, during yeah. her last two years on One Life to Live, she studied hypnosis. Hmm. So now she is a licensed hypnotherapist who does over 20 comedy shows a year. Huh. Oh, no, wait. <laughs> I'm sorry. She does comedy shows? Comedy hypnosis shows. Nice. I didn't see that. I didn't see that for her. Okay. Wow. Yeah. yeah I don't really see her doing that. In Vegas? I, I know. I think at the VFW in uh, okay. Ypsilanti. <laughs> Got it. No, I bet she does them in real clubs. You know what was weird about that scene where she bought the gold honey, hilariously named honey suit, um, mm-hmm. and held it up, up in front of herself in the yeah. mirror? Uh-huh. It was like too big for her. It looked huge. What was that thing? That thing looked like paper mache, number one. <laughs> that was not... I've worked in wardrobe for many years, and I'm just... I was sort of 
I was very distracted by it. Like, <laughs> what is that? Why does it look like that? And why is it so large? Yeah. For her body. Yeah. I was worried about her. Maybe she's she lost a lot of weight. I don't know. Something Did happened. she shrink? She got shorter, apparently, because the torso yeah. looked like it was eight feet long. Correct. Correct. Apparently, uh, Rosanna Arquette was supposed to play that role, too, and she didn't get it. <laughs> so at the last minute, she came in and took over. <laughs> okay, so Gorn and Eames are able to get the, as up until yesterday, sealed divorce records of the Radcliffe's. <laughs> And Kay's dropping a lot of details about their sex club visit. Jim said he had a romantic evening planned. He took me to a club, Bacchus and Venus. I was shocked. The room was full of people having sex. I wanted to leave, but Jim told me to humor him. Men were looking at me. I felt dirty. Jim told me to perform oral sex on him while they watched. I refused and left. And then three months later? insisted we do what he wanted, but this time, once we were inside the sex club, I became physically ill. I cried. Jim got angry. He said I was spoiling everything, that it wasn't sexy for me to cry. And I will say, you know, what Radcliffe said is true. It's not sexy when you cry at a swingers club. (laughs) Yeah. That's not very sex positive of him. No. It kills the mood. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know about blackmailers, but she surely killed a lot of erections that night. Oh, boner shrinker, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to hear this. <laughs> really? That's why you really have to work that out before you go in. Yeah, you really do. You need to put your game face on. Yeah, well, you also need to do some research. If your husband's taking you to a club called Bacchus and Venus, you, you need to look it up. You need to be like, okay, am I not, wearing the right shoes? I'm not doing this. What does Zagat right. say about that one? <laughs> <laughs> you do Stefan from Saturday Night Live. This club has everything. Hips, chains, crying, crying women who don't want to do it in front of other people. Oh, Stefan, he's so good. Uh, well, you know, it wouldn't be criminal intent if Goran didn't try to smell something. Oh, God. To come. But he doesn't put his nose up to anything. He just kind of wafts his arms in the air like he's running through yeah. a tulip field. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He's like a dog. He's like basically like a corpse-sniffing dog in this episode, right? Yeah, and he's super sensitive. We just had a, a cor- our fir- well, my first Dateline corpse-sniffing dog, and he sat at the smell of like decomposing flesh. He would sit, and I'd mm. never seen that before. Um, Goran doesn't sit. Goran does it in a very poetic way. <laughs> no, he just kind of spins around Poet looking laureate. for where that dead yeah. body is. Yes, very mm-hmm. gracefully. Mm-hmm. Kevin, can I ask you a question? Sure. Tortious interference. A lawyer? Worse. A Texas lawyer. Is it true that the only thing worse than a lawyer is a Texas lawyer? (laughs) (laughs) I loved that line. I loved it. Tortious interference. Must be a lawyer. And then just like, and it was like, it was the worst. Apparently that is the worst thing you can be. This is an episode in which they know somebody killed somebody. Mm -hmm. And yet they're saying a Texas lawyer is the worst thing you can be. Katie, I'm not going to say that Gore never makes jumps of supposition (laughs) but he looked at the email address it went to and it was texas holdem so he said oh okay that guy texas holtzman that's got to be him he's a great detective he's excellent (laughs) he does this he does really good work so we learned that like what lila actually bid on that was really important was not her costume but it was the black book that we didn't know existed or whatever. And we figured out that there was a black book because I guess her teenage son popped a boner. I don't know. I just wanted to hear what the girl sounded like. 
Like, if they're in this guy's book, they have to be hot. Okay, yeah, I was confused by Kenny's role. Um, So we see Kenny in the distance sort of frantically doing something in the bedroom with the phone. And you're like, "What? what's happening? So you get a little foreshadowing. And then turns out Kenny is calling the numbers in the little black book. But when you actually see the little black book, most of the numbers seem to be men. <laughs> it seems to be men that kid that he met out and about. And he's like, I'm calling the honeys, you know, I'm calling these women because they've got to be hot or whatever his excuse is. He's, he's a tremendous young talent, that Kenny. But I, I couldn't, I was confused. It didn't seem to, it was a weird bridge. Do you know how they tried to show that it was like an, an old black book? Is the phone numbers were all like Klondike five? Yeah, two seven four one. Yes, yes, yes. yes. It's like your favorite uh, convention uh, when you call me at work, right? It's this capital two two four seven one. That's wonderful. <laughs> that's glorious. I honestly, I could not love that more. That just sounds like straight out of Hepburn and Tracy. I really like it. Really so should good. we try to figure out what yours is? What's your first three numbers? Me? Yeah. Oh, three one zero. Oh. Three one. Is that oh. you're talking about the area code? No, 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 no your area code, like your, your exchange. The, it comes from the first two numbers of the exchange, like whatever those letters so are. So it's like it's like um, Klondike five is five five five, right? So which is a fake TV number, yeah. which is hilarious that they would even right. put that in the thing, right? Yeah. So it's the first two oh, wow. numbers of your exchange, and, and then, then the five letter. numbers yeah. is how they used to do phone numbers. I mean, what's the first two numbers of your of your home phone number? Six nine. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> it's appropriate for this sex episode. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Now let's take a look at the second half of this episode. The blackmailer was Rob McKenna, a former bouncer at the sex club and the killer of centerfold Lila Parsons. McKenna as Gorn likes to say, probably recognized the politician and thought the black book would be suitable for extortion. Who would blackmail Jim? Did he tell you this? He got an extortion demand about his activities at the sex club. Wow, that doesn't make any sense. I told you that was all lies. We read your deposition. We know what your husband put you through, taking you to that club. My husband said I was too uptight, too conventional. And one of the most... Improbable clues ever uncovered, Gorn and Eames learned that Kay and Rob had display booths right across from each other at the Women's Accessories <laughs> You mean the Women's Accessories Trade Show? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh yeah, she remembered Rob from back in the day, but she failed to identify his lead singer from Sugar Ray Frosted Tips <laughs> he supported yes. back then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, doing some cross-checking, they linked the Black Book's phone number f- for Radcliffe to a woman named Monique, who was the club doorknob, because everybody got a turn. Oh. Kay's nanny remembers her staying out all night and the daughter being really mad about it. So Goran's theory. 
Kay didn't want her ex-husband to learn the secrets of the Black Book, thus preserving her daughter's love. So they tease Radcliffe with the threat of arrest based on their photocopy of the Black Book, which they refuse to turn over. His lawyer says, hey, I've listened to enough podcasts to know you have to disclose that evidence to me. Brady violation. <laughs> Carver lets there him take go. him to court and just tanks the hearing all for the benefit of Kay, who now knows that Radcliffe will get a copy. Gorn and Carver tell Kay if someone else confessed to McKenna's murder, Radcliffe would never be charged mm. and never see the evidence. Hell, they'll even destroy the evidence just to sweeten the deal. Oh, my God. She says, you know, you're exactly right. Kay confesses, Radcliffe drops out of the race, and Carver puts the photocopy in the shredder. Okay, so McKenna killed to get the black book because he thought it would prove Radcliffe went to a sex club, but nobody knows what's in the black book, so how could he? I don't understand anything about this episode. <laughs> I mean, I don't understand yeah. why they're trying to preserve the childlike feelings of this like 28-year-old daughter they have. <laughs> I don't understand Correct. why she has a whole shop where she's selling handbags and they look like they were made by children out of felt. I don't understand yeah. anything about this episode. And I especially understand... You know, we'll get to it. The whole like shredding of the evidence immediately before there have been any appeals or any. Like, mm -hmm. I don't understand any of it. It makes no sense. It's bananas. It doesn't need to make sense. I think it's about the journey of Gorin. I've decided that's what's going on. That's here. how he earns his Burger King by going out. And yeah, but Eames has yeah. finally figured out Merritt's black book notation code with Monique. Choo choo is in the little engine that pulled the train. That is super dirty. Yeah. It really is. So Monique invented the phrase run train. It was a lot. I was surprised. I was surprised it was that much. And I'm wondering how in the writer's room, how many times do you think they went over what the phrase would be? Mm. And what do you think was on the table? That's what I'm curious about. <laughs> that they landed on choo-choo. I don't know. It's a lot. They called her Amtrak. I'm kind of thinking that whoever was working in standards and practices that day mm -hmm. just didn't understand. Like they didn't get it. So they're like, yeah, that's fine. Oh. And the writers were like, really? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just do it. They said it was fine. <laughs> I think you're exactly right. I think you nailed it. Yep. So Gordon sees the daughter tug at her shirt sleeve and says, yep, she's a cutter with detachment disorder. Definitely. Just like that. <laughs> Immediately. At the store, I noticed that you, you pulled down your sleeves. You're hiding scars. Not a junkie. You were a cutter. Who are you mad at? Your mom? Mom and I are tight now. We're best friends. Don't bother going to therapy. I already cured you. I figured it out. That's right. Mm -hmm. Just by seeing you. I did not think that, by the way. Did anyone Did ever, anyone else get that immediately that she was a cutter besides Goran? Did either of you? I did. I did. Only because yeah. it was very ham-fisted and like lingering the way the camera sort of stayed as she slowly tugged down each of her very long sleeves. I wondered if it was um, another TV show. Yeah. But because she did it in front of Goran, you totally know something that meant something. It had to right. mean something. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was. No, I mean, I thought that she was a, a needle user. I thought she was, was an that, addict. Yeah. That's what I, I did not think it was the other. I was like, oh, she's an addict. Wait, what's happening? What's where's this going to go? And then, no, I was dead wrong. But she's so upset. Yeah. She's so upset with mom. Well, she has almost the same name as the girl from The Exorcist. You'd be upset, too. That's Regan. true. 
<laughs> yeah, she really does. Um, and also, she's almost as old as Rosanna Arquette, so that's confusing. I was like, uh-huh. what? what happened to you? You have that disease. I didn't know. It, she was not young. Is it normal for the judge to get that angry? <laughs> Since I have no intention of asking Mr. Ratcliffe any questions about that document, I see no basis to turn it over to him. That is the lamest argument I've heard in a month. If it's evidence, he has a right to examine it. I'm granting his motion. Did you guys see? That's the lamest excuse I've ever heard. Like, was it wrong? Well, I think I think the way why it was written like that is so that the audience understood that Carver wasn't trying, that this is all a ruse. It's just to show it's the only way I can get the defense to get the stuff is to lose in court. Yeah. Is to use the court system. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that right. she could come in and say, what? What was that all about? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I just don't think that right. that is legal or cool, but whatever. No. This whole episode makes no sense. So they have the obligatory Gorn explication. And so he spins up Kay, right, mm-hmm. by telling her, like, if you confess to killing McKenna. But isn't it true that if she confessed and your behavior at that club 14 years ago, it would not have to be exposed? If she confessed and agreed to a plea bargain, she would not have to reveal the motives of her acts. In this address book, the only existing copy of it? If she waived the right to appeal, the copy would be destroyed. And then the past would be in the past, you see? And nobody could use it against you or to hurt Regan. Nobody has to know why. Not his mom. Not the newspaper. Yeah. Nobody has to know why you killed this guy. So here's the thing. This whole motive that Kay has here, allegedly, is to not mess up the relationship she has spent years rebuilding with her daughter. Right. Mm -hmm. I know of one outstanding way to mess up that relationship. Going to prison will definitely mess up that relationship. (laughs) What is she doing? And why is her lawyer not intervening every two seconds being like, we're leaving, we're leaving. Like she starts and then she just stops and like lets her client confess When she says her motivation is to preserve her relationship with her daughter and she's going to be going to prison, which will 100 percent wreck that relationship. Oh, yeah. The the lawyer's just stunned by Gorin. She just can't stop watching. (laughs) She's mesmerized. I think that's what happened. We just didn't get to see her face. But I think that's what we would have seen if we'd seen a reaction shot. Like you figured this all out on your own. Yeah. (laughs) Who are you? (laughs) Are you Batman? Yeah. That's what I think we would have seen. So, can you just imagine, like, the victim's mother weeping on Carver's shoulder? Oh, why did she do this? And he says, meh, who's to say? Can't tell you. <laughs> Who knows? You know, I would have told you, except I shredded the evidence. <laughs> right? What in the world? <laughs> Who wants to do the honors? It's all yours, Counselor. Harmless fun. What? I was so confused. And I was also like, that's not the only copy. You didn't shred the black book. They, we find out earlier that there is the, the secretary or whoever, the bookkeeper, the CPA of the men's privilege dynasty mm-hmm. has the black book already copied. So it's not the yeah. only copy out there. That can so be a it, photocopy of a photocopy. There's also so, the exactly. actual book out there somewhere, which like, we never see. Where's that? We're led to believe that Rob killed the centerfold for it, and then Kay killed him for it, and Kay disposed of it. Oh, so she burned it. We are led to believe that? Why she burned she just got rid of it. Us? They didn't tell us that. Yeah, they she don't. She put it in one of those stupid handbags and sold it. Well, although if she never saw it, 
then, well, I mean, we already know that she stole it. Okay. And her, she obviously is motivated by getting rid of it. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Supposition. Supposition. Maybe. Perhaps. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. How is Kay affording her rent? You're, you're exactly right about the handbags. I don't get it. How do you have a All whole right. shop sustained from fold over clutches? I assume she's getting alimony, right? Sure. Probably. Yeah. However, Maybe. because I know you will care about this, Katie, can huh. we please just for a second talk about her extremely green living room? The trim, the walls, all green, everywhere. How can anyone live that way? It was like living inside of a pool table. Or a weather screen. <laughs> I was just I had a system coming in from the north. <laughs> Maybe they wanted her living room to be green because they knew it would make her discount Saoirse Ronan, Roran, Nanny feel more mm-hmm. comfortable when she babysat at her house. Yeah. I mean, okay. you want to talk about okay. illegal immigrants. <laughs> Do we? Nothing about the Irish. Yeah. Do we? Miss <laughs> Connolly had a very active social life. You were stuck babysitting till her mother rolled home? Once she was gone for three days, she came back looking like she smelled of drink and sex. She was a lonely, unhappy woman. <laughs> she came back smelling like sex and cigarettes. <laughs> she like she smelled like a pub in Galway she was on a Thursday. She was gone for three days. Three that days. Poor little wee thing, just left by oh. her mum. Yeah, oh, God. She fucked everybody. I didn't have anything else to do for those three days, so I just hung out, <laughs> eating some Lucky Charms. Such a wee apartment. <laughs> I painted it green. <laughs> oh, that's where he came from. <laughs> like my whole bed. She had the reddest hair. <laughs> she, did. she did. She did have the reddest hair. That actress hair. could have been from Georgia. They said you're going to say it this way. You are. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because no American citizen was going to watch that kid for no. her. No. Got to be an illegal Irishman. Oh, always. <laughs> always. Oh just so many running around. I don't know why. I took out my acoustic guitar all the time. Played her black velvet band. She went crazy. She started cutting herself. She said, if you're going to sing Rising of the Moon one more fucking time, I'm going to stroke out. You've been saving this, haven't you? No, I'm just coming up with it now. Oh, this is good. <laughs> oh, I had to go to church seven times that day. Exactly. <laughs> oh, the rosary, I rubbed it right down to nothing. <laughs> nothing but a hub of plastic and a string. Uh, forget the rest of the episode. Let's just make it all this. Yeah. You're doing your bad impression of a fake Irish nanny from Criminal Intent. I can't hear it because one of the ears of my headphone is busted. I don't know what I sound like. You sound like you are doing an impression of a fake Irish nanny from Criminal Intent. It's really good. It's very dignified. It's really good. It's exactly what you're doing. I want to smack the wee one on her ass. Her arse. Don't make that puss. <laughs> I'll give you what's for. (laughs) Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. 
All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start, Start saving, saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Well, let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. It's time for Ripped from the Headlines. You think you know who did it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Ripped from the Headlines. Inspiration for this episode comes from the sex scandal surrounding actress Jerry Ryan, best known as the Borg Seven of Nine on Star Trek Voyager. Jerry and her husband, Jack Ryan, commuted between Los Angeles and Chicago, where he was an investment banker with political ambitions. The travel was difficult on the couple's relationship, and after an eight-year marriage, they filed for divorce in 1999. When Jack Ryan ran for US Senate in 2003, the media sought to open up the couple's sealed divorce files. In them were revelations that he forced his ex-wife to accompany him to sex clubs in New York. Jerry Ryan said she left the club in disgust and Jack said it was out of his system. But he allegedly coerced her into going to sex clubs in New Orleans and in Paris. She said he tried to get her to have sex in front of other people and claimed this led to the end of the marriage. When the court files were opened, the politician denied the details, but Jerry Ryan didn't refute her statements. Although he had already clinched the Republican nomination, Jack Ryan dropped out of the race days later. So, of course, now we get to see Jerry Ryan on Picard. Yes. CBS All Access. Yes. Reprising her role uh, of as uh, Seven of Nine. Or Six of Nine, as fans call her. Six of Nine? Yes, because she's so sexy. Six of Nine? Yes. I don't get it, but all right. It's like Katie's exchange. Come on. (laughs) It's a joke a 12-year-old boy would make. Wait, did you say Sex of Nine? Six of Nine. Oh, never mind. I, I can't hear with this busted headphone. No, six of it's nine. like, you know. It's a Oh, six Kenny of nine. Like that, I get it. Jesus Christ. You had, <laughs> Rebecca had to take her fingers. And demonstrate. And made like two okay signs and turn one of them upside down. <laughs> and like six of, oh. Now you get it. I get it. She's so sexy. She's just a banging bod. Yes, but apparently she's not into the sex club. <laughs> True detail. Good for her. Ryan told Jerry that crying in the swingers club was not a turn on. Really? That's a real life detail. That's a real life detail. Listen, I I don't want to come across oh. as somebody who would judge oh anybody who was into this because if yeah. you're into it, good for you. It is not cool to make somebody do something that they're not into. So that's why I say good for her for not backing down and being like, yes, that is what happened. I'm sure mm-hmm. she was under a tremendous amount of pressure to lie after this file was unsealed. I'm sure she was under a tremendous amount of pressure and she didn't and good for her. Katie, this is before the internet mm-hmm. and I want to know how does one even find a dungeon <laughs> sex club in a foreign country and I'm asking for a friend <laughs> <laughs> in the book in the pre-internet times okay so I think so it's got to be word of mouth right and there's certain streets I think that probably and so I think you hear does about he speak this French? street I mean how would he yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> the street. I, okay, first of all, I'm sorry. Who is Jack Ryan? Am I supposed to know who that is? Because I, the only Jack Ryan I know uh, is like Air Force One, like the Harrison Ford. Like that's, isn't he Jack yeah, Ryan? Uh, so who's the real life Jack Ryan? Is, it's a different Jack Ryan though. Okay. Yeah, no, he was a politician. He was a rich guy who ran for office, ran for Senate, right? He did. He yeah. did. did he? Okay, I've never heard of him before. Well, he didn't win. So that's one of the reasons why he sort of vanished into the, the background. Mm-hmm. Jerry Ryan described that club as bizarre mm. with cages and whips and toys hanging from the ceiling. So do you think the owners were like trying to come up with an aesthetic and they went to Applebee's <laughs> and they <laughs> said, you know, as I look around, yeah. we can have handcuffs, but it's got to be from the local police department. Mm, and Yeah. They oh, flare. Flare. <laughs> yeah. Cheerleaders costume from the local high school. Yes. Oh, Lord. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yes. In front the French one, they had a French maid's outfit. Yeah, there you, you go. Know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Something kind of Moulin rouge Yeah, all right. Like a can-can. Mm-hmm. And we should have unlimited breadsticks and soup. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Never order the food at a sex club. Only on Thursdays. That's the only, yeah, that's right. the food day. It's a different kind of clientele. It's great. Jerry Ryan played a cybersecurity expert in season 10 of Criminal Intent. She did. Oh. She came on. You think she walked in the writer's room and said, listen up, motherfuckers. <laughs> Who was here in season four? <laughs> oh, yeah, Poindexter? Come here, look me in the face. <laughs> Fucking think it was funny. <laughs> yeah, no crying in the sex club, yeah. What exactly is a choo-choo? Who let that slide? choo-choo. <laughs> 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 That's exactly what happened. Jack Ryan dropped out of that race. Any idea who won? Uh, what uh, municipality was this? This was U.S. Senate from Illinois. Anybody? Illinois. Would that be Barack Obama? It would be one Barack Obama. Oh, my goodness. Skated his way to the U.S. Senate from Illinois. Oh, my goodness. So, thank you, Jerry Ryan. <laughs> Thanks, Jerry Ryan. <laughs> Beat out someone named Jack Ryan. That's impressive. Sorry, Jack Ryan is a power name. That's right. Thanks to Jerry Ryan, we all get birth control as part of our health plans. <laughs> 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 Thanks, Jerry. I have a I have a pre-existing condition. <laughs> and that's going to do it for us. We want to thank our special guest, Katie Mitchell. Katie, where can our listeners follow you online? Oh, you can follow us at Date Dateline on Instagram and Twitter and probably Facebook, although it's not checked often, as Kimberly insists that I say. But we are there, and we are a Date with Dateline, and soon to be a DateWithDateline.com. Oh, very exciting. It's coming. Nice. Interactive website. And Rebecca Lavoie, how can our listeners follow you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Angie Harmon. Just <laughs> kidding. It's at Reb Lavoie. And you can tweet to us at Law and Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader was Cy Freider. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Line editing by Henry Lavoie. Content assistance from Travis Roy. Lily Flynn handles promotions. To get ad-free episodes of These Are Their Stories a week early, sign up for Stitcher Premium. Get your first month free at stitcherpremium.com slash crime. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for criticism and commentary. Special thanks to the elite squad of the Law & Order Wiki community for preserving the evidence. 
If you want to know what episodes we're talking about in our upcoming shows, go to lawandorderpodcast.com. Sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Other Stories was recorded in the Yoga Loft above the Bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio and is a production of Partners in Crime Media. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated.